guys, welcome back again to Life of Education's podcast. Uh, myself and Caroline are here with Dan Lawrence from Perform365. Uh, you're based in the UK. You're over in Dubai for a sunny winter break. I am. Um, do you want to introduce yourself a little bit, talk about kind of where you originally came from and then maybe how you ended up just doing some work by yourself by the pool in Dubai? Sounds good. Yeah. Uh, right, hi guys. I'm Dan Lawrence. I'm head of performance of Matcher and Boxing. I'm a strength and conditioning coach. I run a company, as Keith said, uh, called Perform365. We have a team of coaches uh, working primarily around southwest London. Um, and I've just launched an online business, P365 Online Coaching, as well. Um, in short, that is me. And what's the online coaching? Is it um, Just online programming for people that I can't see on a one-on-one basis, face-to-face. Um, so, in essence, I could look after people in the UK or globally. You just launched that now? Recently launched, yeah. yeah. Uh, all, all going well so far, yeah. So what does your day job then when you're not doing that? What does your day job look like? Things are a bit up in the air at the moment. I recently accepted a an external contract with, um, I'll say, a high-profile client cool. that's actually just come to an end, which is why I'm now out in Dubai. Um, it's given me a little bit. It came to an end, an end a little bit early, actually. Uh, so I had December to kind of get my head straight, get things sorted and ready to execute for 2019. Yeah. Um, so I came out here, flew back to London for a couple of days, and uh, and here I am now. Much prefer the sun. So, are you focused mainly on training high profile people, or do you have a different type of client base that you aim to work with? Yeah. So, as I say, the the role with matchroom boxing is um, that's a real passion project for me. Um, so, working with these elite fighters, oh, I'm blessed to work with such good good fighters, but good people. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I work with them those guys uh, a couple of times a week. I was previously working at uh, Gym BXR in Marlebone, which is actually run by Anthony Joshua. Um, so I was working there three times a week, and that was the main bulk of kind of what I was doing. So I'm curious, what does it take to train an elite boxer athlete? Um, you know, we were talking off camera there. It's such a, an introvert sport, so you haven't got 10 other teammates backing you up if you have a bad day at the office. Um, yeah. So there's a lot that goes into it, and you need to ensure you're uh, you're up to date with the latest research and best practice for these individuals because in essence you know they're getting punched it's in their the lives, head it's yeah. their lives exactly um so yeah a lot goes into it there's some key considerations we take as strength and conditioning coaches um due to high boxing volumes um these guys are you know constantly throwing and throwing shots their shoulders are internally rotated they're tight through pec minor all the stabilizing muscles around the scapula um, you know need to be strong enough to support these high boxing volumes um so there are some some key consideration we take around that um like what maybe talk us through that absolutely so well uh, the process would be initially we'd, we'd go through uh, movement screening and assessment to see how how these individuals move first and foremost um but taking looking at it as a general point of view again these guys have internal rotation of the human head uh, because they are just throwing shots all day every day for the last 10 15 years um, and they haven't followed a proper strength conditioning program to deal with the vigorous m- demands of their sport um, so once we've done our, our screening we'll look at mobilizing the t-spine so the thoracic spine mid to upper back area because they're always in this kind of rounded kyphotic position um, which is prevalent in boxing but also you know for general population clients who sit behind a desk all day on the laptop um so that's one of our kind of key areas um as i say we kind of get in on on the pecs pec minor especially just to combat that internal rotation of the shoulder there um and then once we've addressed those issues and start owning certain positions and get them moving better um we can then look at strengthening around the postural stabilizing muscles um 
you know, in the, in the rear of the shoulder and around the scapula. And do you do that with strength and conditioning or other, other modalities as well? Yeah, so I think, you know, strength and conditioning is, is a term. There's a, there's a number of different modalities. I know you come from a yoga background, you know, something, a key thing that we have is move with the purpose to improve. If you can't own certain positions unloaded, you've got no right adding external load to these movement patterns. And again, you know, in reference to boxing, uh, we know the big kind of bang for your buck movements, you know, your squats, your pushing, your pulling, uh, your, your deadlifting. Am I going to get someone who I've just mentioned who has these kind of rounded shoulders and lacking in T-spine extension? Am I going to throw them under a bar and say, right, we're going to load up with 100 kilos off the bat? Absolutely not, because they're not going to be able to own these positions. Um, they're going to have to compensate through through other patterns, i.e. extension through the lower back. Um, and something that we say is an athlete's best ability is their availability. That's going to heighten the risk of injury. Well, um, what do you mean by that? Explain So, that. <laughs> well, an injured athlete isn't really going to be any good to anyone. Um, so an athlete's best ability is their availability. They have to be available to do their sport. So um, something that we do as strength conditioning coaches is we look at the risk-reward continuum. You look at the risk of an exercise, the reward of an exercise, where does it weigh up? Okay, if we've heard a back squat is a great bang for your buck exercise, you know, or a trap bar dead or a deadlift variation is a good exercise to apply force into the ground. Um, okay, am I going to tweak that movement slightly based on that individual that's been presented in front of us? You know, if they come to us with um, issues around the lumbar spine, well, we know there's less shear forces going through the spine if we go with a trap bar deadlift variation as opposed to an Olympic bar deadlift variation. Just these small little tweaks can go a long way. And when you're doing those with the guys, what kind of buy-in do you get from the fighters? Like, yeah. we look at boxing as a real Rocky-style preparation. Mm. Just get out, run, 5 a.m., get running. Skip. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, put the music on and just, you know, maybe hit a pad mm. 800 times a session and then, <laughs> kick, you know, off you go. Or the little, the, I don't even know what it's ball. called. Yeah. yeah, I didn't even know what that was called either. I was like, don't look at me. Yeah. <laughs> um, can you hit the speed ball? Is um, that what it's called? Oh, no, I knew you were going to ask me that. Do you know what? No. And I've been in boxing gyms for, for a long, long while. and I It got looks to a point, impressive. It does look really mm -hmm. good. But I got to a point where thinking, I, I'm not even going to attempt this now. Because people are, people are watching me and they expect me to be able to do it. And I've just, no, I haven't manned up and, uh, and stepped up to I've the plate on that one. So. I can hit it once. <laughs> for podcast reasons, I should have said absolutely. Yeah. You know, I'm the man of you that. You can nail it. <laughs> um, sorry, back to, your, back to your question there. In terms of buying, you know, that's just something that is so key for us. So the role with Matchroom, um, I've walked in there, I've walked into an elite gym. Um, I've walked into a winning gym, you know, uh, the, uh, the head coach there, Tony Sims, who's been absolutely brilliant and very open to what I've tried to bring to the table, um, has trained, you know, multiple world champions. So I'm not going to come in there and say, whoa, guys, you know, this is so old school. This is... Yeah. You know, I, I'm with my sort of machine gun mentality and saying, no, this is all wrong. I'm going to go in there. I'm going to observe. I'm going to sit back. I'm going to talk to the guys, communicate yeah, with and them. And respect the lineage Absolutely. as well. Like these are world fighters because of everything they've, that they've done. They've done something, through. exactly that. Yeah. And, and something in that gym in particular, it is an elite gym. It, you can see why they've got such a winning environment. You know, uh, there's no egos. In fact, on, on the door, he says, no one is bigger than this gym. Um, which, which, yeah, and you see that with the lads, they're, they're constantly like the bar is getting raised, you know, and if someone isn't, you know, the whole product to your peer group, you know, if someone isn't stepping up to the levels of everyone else, then they're going to get cut. Um, gone off in a tangent slightly there, but going back to your question there, Keith, in terms of, you know, getting that buy-in, um, 
just sitting down with the lads and communicating with them. Um, something that we do, we again, sit back, have a look at what they currently do. Okay, what is working for you? What isn't working? Um, and with these combat athletes especially, you never have to ask them to work any harder. You know, these guys will literally, yeah. you know, run through walls for you. And in essence, that can sometimes be the problem. So from a strength and conditioning point of view, you might say, okay, we're looking at minimal effective dose we want to pull you back a little bit maybe that's the best place we're going to get a, a little bit of a win initially can you tell a combat athlete that you know you need to pull Rest. back yeah. <laughs> yeah that that's hard um so this is where you know getting that buy-in is very important and uh and that takes time it doesn't happen overnight it, you've got to build trust with these individuals um but you know if, if you go a little bit deeper under the bonnet there and they're saying okay you know i'm i'm getting halfway through camps and i'm I'm feeling tired, I'm feeling fatigued, I'm, I'm getting ill, I'm getting niggles. Well, we know these are all signs of overtraining, okay? So something that, so I have, as a coach, I have big rocks, okay? We look at these big rocks, you know, we don't want to give these guys information overload from the get-go because you could go in there and try and tell them to do 20 yeah. things. They will not do any of them, okay? It is old school, you know, it is changing and improving, but it is still old school. Um, so my big rocks, we look at number one is the training modalities that we use. Uh, two is nutrition interventions. Uh, three is sleep or recovery strategies. Mm -hmm. uh, and number four is hydration, you know, which is obviously very important in combat sports, especially. So um, if Do we- Do you want to maybe talk us through those in a little bit more detail? Because yeah. I'm like really, really interested. We heard, <coughs> so we had Stefan uh, Sanderson on before and he was talking about hydration and all of that stuff mm. and drinking like six liters of water <laughs> a day. Like that's mental. I'd be going to the toilet every two seconds. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe if you can talk us through yeah some of for those. sure um so look number one the you know the training and that's in essence what uh what is the main driver from from my side and i think so would it just be just be boxing and and strength and conditioning or do you do stretching sessions or yoga or yeah absolutely um like, like i kind of alluded to earlier you know the strength and conditioning puzzle so to speak um includes all of these different training modalities you know so i'm not going to put it into one bucket and say you know it's just the weight room it's just yeah. lifting weights here uh, we absolutely incorporate some form of movement uh, movement based work um obviously they need to get their energy system working as well so ge generally speaking if we're looking at, uh, at a weekly structure they've got their work that they do with their boxing coach which is number one so mm -hmm. we program that into their weekly structure um this is kind of answering your question there as well as well keith you know we look at what they're what they've got currently going on we can then look at their kind of strength and conditioning sessions around that um then you look at their energy system sessions around that as well um so something that we do on point number two in terms of nutrition actually um in terms of nutrition intervention you know we want to fuel these guys optimally for performance okay if they're and especially in a com combat sports you know we want to fuel them for performance but we're also governed by making weight. Yeah. If they don't make weight, they don't fight. Unless you're a heavyweight. <laughs> well, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And those guys like, just uh, enjoy. Yeah, exactly that, and they're beasts. But it's, uh, but other than that, you know, um, you know, these guys have to put themselves at the best competitive advantage when they step in that ring. So I have a question for you because this is something that it's we're digressing here. Mm. This is something that I find so intriguing. So if a fighter has to fight at a certain weight, why is it that they don't just stay close to that weight all the time as opposed to gaining 10 kilos, having to drop 10 yeah. kilos massively, gaining 10 kilos, dropping it again? Um, why, why don't they just stay at that weight at yeah. the, the weight that they fight at or fight at a higher uh, weight. weight so it explain goes back that to, to me it goes back to kind of everyone's different but it goes back to what i was just saying there you want to put yourself at the best competitive advantage so stepping up at a higher weight might not always be the answer 
Um, but also, I completely agree. Because you're fighting stronger guys. There you go. Bigger, okay. stronger guys, absolutely. Taller, larger. Exactly okay. that. Um, so, yeah. And then um, what we set with our fighters actually is a, is an upper weight limit. When they're out of camp, you know, we don't allow them to put on 10 kilos because yeah. you better believe if we get a call and you've got an eight-week camp, well, the first four weeks of that camp is going to be getting the weight off. So we can't yeah. focus on the other markers of athletic development um so that's that's something that we do but um yeah just to put them put them at a competitive edge really you know that that's why mm. and why they don't stay super close to their weight is because sometimes that's it's uh, hard <laughs> yeah it's bloody hard and uh, you know you see what these guys put their put themselves through um in terms of some of the strategies so uh yeah i fully appreciate the fact that they don't stay within a couple of pounds of their weight um but in the same breath we do set them up a limits because mm -hmm. it can't balloon out of control yeah because i can imagine that the closer you are to the weight that you fight at the the better your body is going to be able to adapt and respond to whatever you really give it as opposed to eight weeks before having to lose 10 kilos yeah. just off the Absolutely. bat um i've seen a lot of people get so gaunt and yeah. sick and and really like so fatigued mm. um i can't see that as being advantageous absolutely particularly when you're at an elite level mm. um if you're an amateur fine like you're you like your donut go for it <laughs> but um when you're when that's your job and that's your career and that's your life mm. like i would assume or presume that people would stay close yeah to their weight that's the thing there's there's many um you know that absolutely is a suboptimal strategy um and you know how they've lost that weight and if they're gone and if their hydration strategies aren't in place then you know that that's not going to be optimal for that individual mm. um yeah it is what it is yeah. anyway sorry to digress no, so you were saying that was point two nutrition uh, yeah. point three was absolutely so yeah point one was training you know we, we We've kind of been through that, I think, anyway. Point two was um, nutrition. Three was sleep and recovery strategies. And that's one that we, we look at. We look at their weekly plan. And, again, getting these fights to pull back initially is, is something they might be a little bit... Um, they, might, they might push back on. Um, but over time, if you can say, actually, you know, we're... From an energy system point of view, we strap them up with heart rate monitors. We're getting that stimulus from this boxing session do you really need to go out there and do that hour run that you normally do and pound the concrete well maybe not um actually that after if you do a strength session that morning well that will enable us to recover and when we recover that's when the adaptation occurs um so yeah that's uh, that's kind of what hammering in the sleep and recovery is that's a big win you know sleep it doesn't cost anything it's not some magic pill it's not a supplement it's it's free um, and you know, and the gains are massive for sure. You mm. know, so um, so yeah, that that's that's a big one that we have as well. And even something is like just make your make your room a sleep environment. You know, stop looking at blue light before bed. Give yourself thirty minutes without your phone. Read a book. Blackout curtains. Absolutely. You know, make it a place to sleep. That's easier in the UK. In Dubai, the sun yeah. is like always shining. <laughs> yeah. Mm. yeah, when the days are eight hours long in the UK, was it? There was number four as well, or was it? Did you have a fourth one, no? Yeah, uh, just hydration. Yeah, we hydration, kind of touched on that. Um, well, maybe you can explain, actually, why hydration is so important. I know everyone says, like, drink eight glasses of water, like, two liters, blah, blah, blah. Mm. Like Again, people have their, you know, their, their weight-cutting strategies. Um, people water load and, th and things like, like that. Um, I don't know if any of you guys... You've been into a boxing gym? Yeah. Okay, so a little, little story. <laughs> story Don't we laugh. I'm not. <laughs> you she are. She was lost, I think, one day. For the Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we had a story, you know, I'll throw, throw a story in there, but uh, working with George Groves for a world title fight, 
probably three, four years ago now in Big Bear, San Bernardino Mountains, California, 8,000 feet above sea level, walked in there. This gym was probably 40 degrees. It, it was ridiculous. These guys, I'm there dripping in sweat and I'm just watching. These guys are doing, I think they were doing four minute rounds with 30, 30 seconds rest. It like absolutely ridiculous. Um, the reason I bring this up in terms of hydration, you know, you're going to have to increase your your water intake to hydrate the system properly. Um, you know, I off the top of my head can't recall the exact percentages, but a minor drop in hydration or dehydration will affect performance. Um, so that's that's an incredibly important part again of the performance picture. Um, so yeah, it also affects uh, head injuries, doesn't it? As yeah, well, absolutely. CTs Dehydrated brain yeah. is is a is a much more susceptible to injury absolutely. than absolutely. Fully hydrated um, so I have some questions. Mm. Tell us about some of the people that you've trained. Are you allowed to talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, look, I'm just blessed. I'm uh, I'm very fortunate to work with some some awesome fighters. So I work with George Groves, the former WBA super middleweight champion of the world. Um, awesome, awesome guy. Um, and this this role, this recent role, I've been in probably now for for about eight months, nine months. Maybe a little bit longer, about a year actually. Um, so I work with Joe Cordina. He's the current Commonwealth champion, former Rio Olympian. Uh, Connor Ben, WBA international champion, I believe. Uh, Martin J. Ward, um, former British European champion. Um, Are all these guys out of the same gym? Yeah, so it's really a real yeah. winning gym. Um, and and the buy-in, uh, again, I think we went off on a tangent a bit there and don't know if I actually answered that buy-in question. Um, yeah, that's what I was going to come back to. No, yeah. I'm wondering about how it is t for someone to walk into a gym that's got its, it's, got its, its elite level, mm. it's reached the top mm. by doing it their way. Yeah. Um, and boxing is might be stereotypical, I won't say like notorious for it, but it might be stereotypically perceived to be old school. Yeah. And then you go in and you've got all the knowledge and you've got all the techniques, you've got mm. all the kit. Um, I mean, they're obviously, in, they've invited you there because they yep. value you and they, mm. you know, they see you as a quality mm. uh, professional and an and added benefit to their new system that they're trying to improve. But how do you migrate those challenges where you're trying to say to a coach, listen, maybe not today or maybe we yep. should look at this. Like that must be a, a huge emotional intelligence kind of social intelligence in a way to do that absolutely um something that <laughs> so dr fergus Connolly talks about in his in his book uh, game changer is having synergy between different departments we need an open line of communication you know if i'm not communicating with the, the head of boxing and i'm going in and i'm smashing these guys getting them under the bar exposing them to high amounts of volume um and high amounts of stress and then you know the next day they're doing 12 round sparring over time, if that's a repeated way of doing things, the, the athlete's going to break down and they're absolutely not going to, to improve. So we need that open line of communication. Um, he does, uh, he, Tony, allows me to kind of, you know, take control of that side of things. I give the lads some basic monitoring uh, tools that they feed back to me. I have to have communication with the lads as well, which is great. What are some of the monitoring tools? Yeah. Um, very simple. You know, mm. it has to be simple in this environment because I, I spoke before about my four big rocks. I don't want to overload these guys with too much because they won't do any of it. Mm. Um, so we, it's a basic blank sheet of RPE, rate of perceived exertion and session duration. Mm. You know, so let's say for, you know, <laughs> some of these sessions, like they might do a 90 minute session. They might, okay, how hard were you working? Well, I might be working at 90% maximum output you there and uh the thing again alluding to combat combat sports these guys work 
you know, <laughs> they give 100% every yeah. time. Um, so something that we incorporate is, um, is, I think it was popularized by Derek Hansen, a sprint coach, but um, it's a micro-dosing strategy. Um, so I give them these little blocks of three or four exercises that work on key areas like we spoke before about around the shoulders, um, you know, maybe mobilization through the hips, improving glute strength. Um, and uh, I, I asked them to, to implement those around maybe some of their energy system work um, as, a, as another way of getting that work in, but not exposing them to super high amounts of volume. Um, so that's something that's worked pretty well for us. Um, but yeah, the um, just again, going back to a, a kind of what, what you asked there, the communication needs to be, li- needs to be strong. Um, and, and it really is. I don't go in there and, and say, look, all, all these runs are, are wrong. Um, and the lads are improving. The lads, yeah, stress management is, is a big one for us. Um, there are times when, you know, the lads are beaten up and, and that's when we pull back. Um, so, yeah. I imagine the coaches will have an awareness of that anyway. Mm. You know, they, they, they're able to recognize how a guy's feeling the way he walks into the gym. Yeah, everything's tracked as well. Like, Tony's really good with this. Um, so, one of my big, you know, one of my first points was, look, lads, everyone has to have a heart rate monitor. I need to see what you're achieving from your boxing sessions, and then we can make an intervention from a bioenergetic point of view um, around that. So um, that that took a while, but a lot of the lads, you know, bought into that. And now Tony, the, the head of boxing there, has really bought into that. He said, right, lads, everyone has to have a heart rate monitor. Cool. So it's a process over time. Yeah. It's not going to be, I walk in and say, right, do this, this, and this, and it's going to happen. Yeah. Um, it is absolutely a process and like I said I've been in that role nearly 12 months um, but the buy-in I've had from the lads um, oh, it's, it just really makes me happy Yeah. Um, and you know the, the performance levels have been great um, I'll use a real world example Martin J Ward he won't mind me saying this messaged me today um, and he said, so he's had a recent win out in Florence in Italy, um, beats, beat some dude. He's put himself right back in the mix for world title contention. And, uh, he said, look, um, he, he asked, well, I, I sent him a program yesterday and he, he said, he's executed. He said, man, I've, I've, I've missed this. You know, this isn't my way of looking at things before, but I now appreciate this is a huge yeah. part of, you know, the, the overall performance picture. Um, so that's yeah, really pleasing for me to see from, you know, maybe not Martin, but maybe some lads who wouldn't be as open to it yeah. straight away. Yeah. Um, but now they really see the benefits, you know. And is there any patterns that you see early on in boxers that are coming into strength conditioning? Like, is there anything you see that they're typically not good at this, not good at aside from the posture and the kyphosis, but like rotation is super good, but something else is really weak. Is there anything that you, you can identify at that or is it, does everyone present differently? Yeah, no, everyone doesn't present differently. There's absolutely some some uh, some patterns yeah. and trends, without doubt. Um, you know, generally speaking, let's start from the ground up. Some of them are, are lacking through dorsiflexion and range through through their ankles. Uh, we've got two guys who we don't expose them to high high running volumes, um, and we put them in the assault bike because of that. You right. know, one of them's got flat feet, the other's got oh, so I've never seen anything like it. But yeah no range at all through through the ankles absolutely um so so he's been given some some tools and interventions to kind of work on that um so yeah that's there's that um but yeah generally speaking you know issues around the hips and if you're throwing your backhand we want to generate as much power from that backhand as possible by rotating your hips through that action you know if the anterior hip is is tight and not enabling you to drive into hip extension um then that's that's an issue and we and that can be affecting power and that's what we want especially in any sport but especially in combat sports yeah. we want more powerful athletes so we'll address issues around there as well um and again do we take these guys overhead 
not that much, um, but we still want to be able to open them up through the T-spine um, because because of some of the loading. One of uh, two interventions actually that we made through through that gym. It's a very old school gym, but uh, we purchased the lads as well. This is the buy-in. Uh, the lads chipped in and purchased a trap bar. Right. Uh, <laughs> I'm a big trap bar fan. I'll explain yeah. why in a second. And the lads also chipped in uh, for a safety bar. Uh, cool. So a safety bar is one of those bars you, you hold here. And the reason we, we asked for the safety bar um, it's because I, I want to squat these guys, providing they can, you know, own these movements efficiently and competently. Um, and I also want to be do it, loading them up in some form of split squat or lunge variations. But I don't want to be dumping a bar on their back like we spoke about. If they can't, you know, own these positions and extend through the T-spine and they're pulling into lumbar extension, I'm not going to put a heavy load on top of that because that's going to increase the risk of injury like we spoke about earlier. So the safety bar gives us that option for us to load those patterns. Uh, the trap bar as well, like we said about less shear forces on the spine. For me as a coach as well, not that I, I don't mind spending hours coaching a movement, but the lads pick it up like that. You get it quicker. It's very it? yeah. easy, absolutely. And yeah. when we, after our GPP phase, our general physical preparation block, which is our kind of laying of the foundations, our phase one, um, where we improve movement quality, etc. Um, we then go into a strength block and a trap bar deadlift is, you know, it's a movement I use with a lot of the guys uh, because they can put force into the ground, they can stay tight, the, the, the likelihood of them, you know, doing it wrong is quite low. Do you, you know what a safety bar is? I don't. Thank you for bringing that up. What is a safety <laughs> it's bar? A, it's almost like a cushioned barbell, mm -hmm. but there's two handles that come forward over your shoulders Oh, yeah, well. yeah. I know that. So it allows people mm -hmm. be a bit less technical with their squat and be a bit more restricted because the way the pendulum swings, it actually keeps you back in your heels. So it's much more comfortable for people. It's, it's much more... Uh, reassuring for people as well mm. people who are like why is there a bar on my back with 20 yep. kilos i don't like this so they go down a little bit their whole body screams forget it they stand back up put a safety bar on it it's much softer it's mm. much more of a pleasant experience i think that's the same with a trap bar not necessarily for 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 boxers but just in general training in the gym a lot yeah. of people take to a trap bar much quicker and they're much more confident and they'll increase their ability on the trap bar quicker than a uh, Absolutely. than a straight bar where you have to go in front of the knee and you've got to be mm. much more technical and much more body strong. I think with the safety bar especially as well, you know, we cue rib cage down to pelvis and locking in through the anterior core, so you stop in this kind of flared rib position, um, so they feel a lot tighter through the trunk. Um, you, you asked again about kind of s stuff that we do with the fighters, you know, an old school way, um, like the old rocky days of doing a million ab crunches. That's not something that we, we tend to do because of these kind of key areas that we spoke about in terms of posture. These guys are in this rounded position all day, every day. Um, do I then want to compound that by getting them in the gym and hammering a load of ab crunches? Um, something that we look at is, is trying to maintain stiffness through the trunk in terms of energy transfer from the ground, from, from foot to fist through the kinetic chain. Um, so we look at you know a lot of our kind of um, isometric work, our dead bug variations to resist extension forces, pal off press, uh, resisting rotational forces. So we build stiffness through the trunk um, early on in the training journey, and then we can um, transfer through that in, in more kind of dynamic ways and essentially we're working in a rotational sport yeah. you know so we want to enhance those qualities through through there um, and we don't want to leak energy from that from yeah. that foot to fist you know and do you know with the, with the elite the top level pros is there a, a huge difference between their capabilities and just the amateurs like are you able to to walk in and go right you you and you so we track everything you know we have our we do our movement screening we have our performance testing and markers there as well um, but what we have to remember boxing is a sport from a strength conditioning point of view is generally speaking their training age is low across the board 
you know some of the guys um they do have a slightly higher training age some of the guys who've had good amateur pedigree uh, and boxed with the gb uh, kind of set up over in sheffield which is, which is great um but so when you say the training age is low yeah just um <laughs> they haven't guys? really lifted weights no so ah, their biological okay. age is, is all right but their training age generally speaking is like you know these it's not like they've, they've been in a gym for six seven years um yeah. all they have done are like we said you know the ab crunches the long runs and boxing other than that there's a bucket there that hasn't been filled and that's you know proper strength and conditioning um so we the same with the elite guys um again it's people are different but i think yeah generally speaking they they haven't been you know find me a boxer who's been doing it for 10 years i think you'd struggle um so it's, it's something that we've been fighting now for for a long while um myself and some guys in sheffield my friends danny and alan at sheffield hallam uni run a great program the boxing science program we've tried to bring this kind of more elite setup um, and we've, you know, we've been been doing that for a while now, and and it's definitely changing. There has been a shift. Um, so I think, yeah, I don't want to say gone are the days of these long, slow, monotonous runs. Um, and they they have a place initially, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, we're we're trying to bring more of an elite setup there. Yeah, and then what kind of? So you've got the amateurs, you have the the top level guys with your. Uh, the people that you train day to day or the people that you're trying to reach with your online coaching yeah they're just anybody who wants to who wants to begin training yeah absolutely like the thing is Keith like if someone watched one of my training sessions even with one of these elite guys it's not flash you know do the basics very well. Keep this simple. You know, we don't have to overcomplicate this picture. Um, obviously, there's there's certain things in terms of progressive overload, sets, reps, and volume, etc., that we can manipulate. But uh, things are done very basic. So, in regards to yeah, these online people, it is it can be for anyone. Uh, we have got quite a few boxers signed up. Um, it's, yeah, it's quite exciting. We've got a couple of people from Denmark, Scotland. Um, so that's that's why I've launched this this platform. Um, you know, I've, I've been a coach nearly 14 years and training people one-on-one is, is absolutely my passion. Um, but I just wanted now with the power of social media, yeah. um, I've got a little bit of a presence there and I thought, okay, people are messaging me, asking me questions. I'll always reply to everyone. I'll always give some of the time of day and give people tips. I try and give good content uh, to educate people. But, um, you know, I thought, well, maybe I can provide a bit of value now actually by by um, launching this online platform. So, yeah. Yeah. And uh, you mentioned that you went to places like Big Bear. Yeah. Do you get to travel a lot? With, with I, mean, I know you're here in Dubai mm. now, but do you get to travel a lot? Do you get to go to the fights with the with yeah. The guys? yeah yeah? We get to go to the fights, which is uh, it's it's good. Like like I say, boxing is my passion project. You know, if I was in this solely for money, I would not be in boxing. Yeah. All right. I believe I can help these lads, and when the lads buy into the process, nothing makes me happier. So fight night is it's everything you know like you're there with an individual who's put their body on the line for the last 8, 10, 12 weeks um, they're about to go to war and their livelihood is at stake you know this isn't a matter of them winning a fight this is a matter of them putting food on the table you yeah. know um, so yeah we, we go with them on fight night we do we have some strategies around around fight night as well so um, that look so just some basic stuff in terms of um, no rocky dances I'm joking <laughs> Everyone's everyone's different. They got to do what they got to do. But no, we just uh, get the tunes going on in the changing room. Um, they've got their SIS gels and things like that. They've got their food planned for for that given day, um, and then we go the the set protocol that we follow. 
Um, you know, we go through our kind of movement prep, um, mobilizing those key areas that we spoke about with the roller, with the band stock, you know, firing up the system. Um, and that'll only, that'll take 12 minutes. Yeah. Um, we don't want to, we want good quality of work. We don't want to drag it out. They'll, at this point, they'll be, um, they'll be wrapped up with their hands. Once we finished our work, they then go over to uh, to the boxing coach and right. they start punching. Um, and then, yeah, it's, it's game time. What fights have you been to? Oh, mate, I've been to, honestly, I'm blessed, man. It's like a sport that I love and I've, I've literally been to, you know, <laughs> pretty much every what's fight. Your, what's so, your favourite one then? Um, it's, <laughs> do you know what? I only ever watch my fighter um, because it's everything. Like, this means the world to me. Like, honestly, yeah. like, I go watch my fight, I get out, and I don't really care about the other fights. Um, like, I've, we've done, it didn't end well for us, but Frotch Groves 2 at Wembley Stadium, 80,000 people. Uh, that, that was incredible. Yeah. Um, that's who I was in, in Big Bear with. Um, most recently, we've done uh, John Ryder. So John Ryder is just an awesome guy. The, the buy-in I've had from John Ryder has been yeah. incredible. So John, again, he won't mind me saying this, he's, he's a beast. He's a super middleweight, formerly fighting at 160 pounds. He was a middleweight. He was dead at the weight, stepped up to 168, super middle. Um, and he's a beast. He's an absolute beast at the weight. You look at him, um, we said about putting yourself at competitive advantage. He's he's not that tall um, for the weight, but he's uh, he's he's knocking everyone out. Yeah. But when he came to me, the Tony Sims, the head of boxing, said, "Look, Dan, he needs to be more explosive. Um, he's very force dominant, and you can see that by visually looking at him and how he presents." But so, how, what would you see in that case? Um, he's just very kind of thick set. He's um, when we did our testing, he you know, in terms of sort of eccentric utilization and ground reaction forces. Um, utilization of the stretch shortening cycle wasn't great um i, I don't want to delve into it too much but um he was strong he's a strong old boy so he made his strength super strengths um and we had a prolonged training block where we uh where we focused on improving improving what i said there yeah um and the numbers we got in the gym were incredible in terms of the improvements obviously that's one thing i don't care about what goes on in the gym i care about what happens on fight night it needs to be transferable and uh whether that had anything to do with it, I don't know, but he, he stopped a, an undefeated Russian. Yeah. Uh, it was headline event at the Copper Box uh, probably six weeks ago. Stopped a Russian. He's now number one ranked WBA. Um, uh, well, n yeah, number one r ranked in the WBA rankings. Um, there's actually a fight this Saturday out in Madison Square Garden, uh, Canelo against yeah. Rocky Fielding. And uh, John's put himself, I believe, I don't know the ins and outs of it too much, but I believe is in a mandatory position to fight the winner. Okay. So in essence, he could fight Canelo, potentially in Vegas or Madison Square Garden. Yeah. Canelo, future Hall, Hall of Famer, biggest name in boxing at the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, bucket list fight at the Garden or MGM in Vegas and get a huge payday at the same time. Um, and no one can begrudge Rocky Fielding for, for you know, for for his opportunity this weekend. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's yeah. It's a world I know nothing about, to be honest. It's mm. like I've but you're slowly learning. Yeah. Sorry, I'm, I'm rambling and throwing <laughs> no, no, those names no, no, out. No, no, no. I know so. more about boxing than he does. <laughs> so. He probably does. I do. <laughs> um, At least I watched the fight. Yeah, I didn't watch the Fury. Um, yeah, I did. Yeah. Yeah, I heard all about it, and I've heard them both speak on Joe Rogan's podcast. I know. Yeah. I watched I watched, um, I watched. watched it, too, yeah. today. What's mm. his name? I can never Wilder. get his Yes. Deontay um, Wilder, yeah. Yeah, really interesting background yeah, too. Yeah, lovely guy. He's like very humble, very like mm. he's like you touched on in the middle of all of that. 
that's what puts food on his table. That's yeah. what mm-hmm. gets his daughter like mm. up and off to school. It's yeah. not there's no other choice for these guys. Especially really. when you hear like you you listen to a podcast like that and then you hear what all the people say about him. He's a, a brawler and all he does is throw his arms around and yeah. and then you actually listen to him talk and it's like, Oh, he's a nice guy, yeah. leave him alone. And like, that's the thing, they are humans, you know, they're yeah. human beings. People don't actually get to know the human. Yeah. They see all they see is the end result on fight night. They don't see any of the stuff that's gone into it. Yeah. And, you know, with the growth of social media, look, it's good for some things. It's not good for other things. These guys are putting their, again, their livelihoods on the, on the line, their life's on the line. Um, and then, you know, I'm, I'm not big for these memes and things like that after the fight, but, like, people are battering them after, yeah. mm. you know, if they if they lose. And it's, yeah, it's, it's not nice, but I suppose that's the world we live in. But, yeah. It's shifting that way, but, I mean, when you don't enter that world, you enter a different world five, ten years ago, and now mm. it's just changed. It's on been you. a shift for sure, yeah. Yeah, you need, I mean, like uh, Tyson Fury spoke about, he went through some, some mental yeah. sh- stresses and strains. You know, he's come through now, he's had a big fight, but mm. the stress on him... Not everybody's made that bulletproof, you know. No, absolutely. And then I always wonder about taking the knocks to to your head, you know. You've got that happening, underpinning all of yeah. the stress you're going through in your in your yeah. external world. And do you know what? These guys are strong. So you can imagine a punch from them, man. That's yeah. gonna like do some damage, really. It could like. kill a normal person. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's crazy. But um, so going back to the fights, then which. What's your sort of uh, aspiration as a coach? What, who do you want to go see? What stadium? Um, again, look, my... McGregor, Floyd Mayweather rematch? <laughs> <laughs> that is not top of my list. You know, we did a podcast before, yeah. and I think that's what we we were talking about was last about, time. I think that, that was then? just about to happen a few years ago. Yeah. Well, he's been in trouble recently the last couple of days. Who? We were Connor. Has he? Yeah. Let's Maybe let's not get into that. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know. She yeah. does know more than me on this <laughs> stuff than I do. I didn't know I that either, to be fair. Honestly, I do. Yeah. Um, look, again, all I care about, I don't want to keep going on about it, is my fighters. Yeah. No, I, I couldn't care less about any, any do you do you box so. sorry to no 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 i do it through through these guys no i i've this are you scared years ago yeah i'm scared <laughs> that's exactly it but no look, i um dan's too brief to get into that <laughs> <laughs> no i live through these guys man but um but no i just all, all i care about from my personal point of view um is keep allowing these lads to progress and 2019 you know, I don't want to say it, but it's going to be a big year for a lot of these guys. Yeah. There's some big fights on the horizon. They've all put themselves and earned where they put themselves in these kind of positions, you know. So yeah. um, I'm just waiting for some big fights to get announced, and it's going to be very exciting. So it's a busy year for you then. Are you going back to the UK to coach? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm back. I actually fly back there tomorrow. Um, just started with a tennis player, actually, a GB tennis player, which I'm, I'm looking forward to, a female tennis player, which, uh, which be should be That'd good. That would be quite, quite a contrast. Yeah, absolutely. It's... Um, I love testing myself as a coach and boxing has absolutely been my thing. I've, I've been fortunate to work with some other athletes in other sports. Um, but this one's, yeah, this one's interesting. I think, you know, look, it's another rotational sport. Um, again, we're talking about these kind of high performance settings and what do you do when you go into these settings? Um, so we were at the NTC, the National Tennis um, is it NTA, NTC, anyway, National Tennis Academy, I believe, in Roehampton. And... Um, they provide everything there for you. You've got nutritionists, you've got strength and conditioning coaches, uh, they've got force plates, they've got everything in terms of, you know, gold standard of testing, um, which is brilliant. So I'm going to, you know, the first thing I want to do is find out about the sport. Again, I don't go in all guns blazing. Yeah. Um, leave the ego behind and, and learn about the sport and uh, see what 
current best practice is from these individuals who've worked in the sport for a long period of time. Um, but something we're going to do is, as soon as I get back actually on Friday is meet with the head of strength and conditioning there and meet with the nutritionist and then you know put a strategy in yeah. place in terms of weekly structure for the uh, for the player. So will you, what's your main... Oh, I suppose you don't know yet. It's a bit early, isn't it? You haven't had those meetings. I was going to ask what's your main goal then for the year for her. Is she looking at Wimbledon or anything? Uh, yeah, for sure. Wimbledon's definitely on the cards. She's actually going out. Uh, she's hopefully going to qualify for the Australian Open. So this is a short training block. Really and truly, this is... Open's quite soon. Yeah, it? it is. It's the start of Jan. Yeah. Um, you know, in an ideal world, I'd be in the UK now working with her. She's executing my program. We did all our testing. We had a couple of sessions, thankfully, but I'd already had Dubai pre-booked. Right. It was a very a bit of a rush job. Um, in terms of getting that that contract, but um, thankfully one of the guys there has been taking her through the program. He's been brilliant. His sort of line of thinking and thought process towards training is very similar to mine, uh, which has been great. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we just we got really good sort of support team there. Um, so yeah, what are the goals? I, I don't know. I'm trying to educate myself on the sport. Yeah. I was. Uh, I'm. <laughs> this is the thing. Do you play tennis? No. Well, uh, no. I, I like it in the summer now and again, but no, I don't play. But I'm now the type of guy. <laughs> and it really annoys me with boxing when they're like oh yeah you know you go to this match and they're saying all this stuff and I'm like match it's not a match you call it a fight you know and, yeah. Do you and play I'm boxing? Like, yeah exactly and all of this Are stuff boxing player <laughs> I'm that guy with tennis now I'm like yeah, I don't know what to I don't know what this is called like yeah. they're, the they're lingo, rallying the yeah. lingo. I need to educate myself mm-hmm. on the lingo yeah. they're rallying and I'm like oh, sparring you know and it's like yeah. no come on down you know? like, so yeah. uh, I'm that guy so that's going to be my first uh, first step is learn the lingo for sure you'll have some blunders you'll yeah, have some oh blunders. for sure oh, had a couple already yeah. what's that called the, the, the tram line <laughs> what's a tram line <laughs> yeah, exactly go to the white one. Oh my god see <laughs> yeah I, do you have you played tennis um, no. I played when I was, I was, played when I was younger. Mm. wasn't very good. <laughs> Went back to play with a good mate of mine about two years ago who's gone back to tennis and he's top quality. Right. He, <laughs> he, he ran me around a court gently yeah. for half an hour. The next day, my glutes were on fire. Oh, course, yeah. I have no idea why. Just that <laughs> rotation. I rotation. Just, I had to mess him going. Rapid change of direction. I was so tight. <laughs> rapid. Yeah. I wasn't rapid well, at all. <laughs> <laughs> Slow motion turning. <laughs> Brilliant! <laughs> oh, my glutes are on fire. Uh, anyway, that was an that was an education in like <laughs> the simplest little change. Yeah, when mm-hmm. you're a kid, you you flow into oh, that yeah, no absolutely. problem. You can try everything in a week. Mate, if I played football now, again, I'll use the word rapid, but that change of direction. Yeah, like I've been pieces for days. You know, <laughs> linear running, I'm I'm all right at. Yeah, all right. But uh, yeah, you get me on a on a football pitch, I, I'd be in pieces. <laughs> that's it, isn't it? You just adapt to what you're doing. Absolutely. It's the same across everything. Mm. Um, so where can people get in touch with you and follow you online if they want to get onto the coaching? Yeah, um, so I'm most present on Instagram. Um, it's perform365. And uh, yeah, look, anyone's got any questions in regards to training and things, happy to happy to answer those. I try and put as much useful content on there as possible. Um, so yeah. Uh, perform What's the website, did you say? Uh, it's three w's dot perform three six five dot life, but you know if people want to slide in the DMs on uh, on Instagram and you know if they have any questions they can reach me through there or look, everything's on the website as well. So cool. All right. Anything to add to that? No, but you kind of took away from like I wanted to know all about the elite fighters, <laughs> and you stole my little you stole my question. We can continue. <laughs> okay. What What do you want to know? Shoot. No, well that was it. I was asking you about any stories. <laughs> oh, any story? Um. Cool. 
I put you on the spot here. Yeah, big I? time. <laughs> and, and I'm also thinking, what am I allowed to say? Yeah. Yeah, um, sorry, <laughs> without saying that, you can tell us the name after all. Fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> have any guys got you or got themselves into a lot of trouble from things they shouldn't be doing that falls outside the training parameters? Oh, now that's a without devious saying, question. Without saying names. Honestly, no. Like, I'm. <laughs> I'm being yeah dead deadly honest. Like the guys in this gym are elite fighters. You know they have elite habits. They have champion kind of mentality and mindsets. Um, they don't. Uh, no, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't even have any good stories. I like know. That. Like I was asking on? for like a, a training story, and then <laughs> you go out with this like rogue. Oh, question. I've got a training story. Okay, okay here's good. one. Okay, Connor Ben. Mm-hmm. Uh, Twelve and zero. I think WBA international champ, you know, really, really good lad, um, responds very, very well to the training. He's, you know, from a strength conditioning point of view, his training age is is good, you know. Um, we can kind of throw things at him and he adapts and, and it does very well. His father is a two-time, I believe two-time, um, two-time champion of the world, Nigel Ben. Um, <laughs> he's uh, just the funniest guy, the most charismatic guy. He will walk in any room and own a room. Uh, he's an absolute legend, you know. He walks around the streets in the in the, in the UK. Currently lives in Oz, actually. Funny enough, oh, um, yeah. <laughs> um, but he walks around in it like he's a hero, right? So I train his son. Anyway, we're in the gym with Connor. Um, Connor hits a new trap bar dead, uh, deadlift PB. I'll never forget it. One four five. Uh, Nigel's just walked in the gym, and uh, Con's gone round. Oh, dad just hit hit a PB, you know, smashed it, buzzing, full of it. And uh, Nigel walks in, says. Sit down, son. Get out of the way. Walk straight up to the bar. I'm, like, I'm there having kittens. <laughs> He's got to put his back out. Yeah, literally. And just like reps out for five, six reps, <laughs> chucks it down. And that, and that was, uh, yeah, that, that was a bit of a moment, to be fair. Just an absolute beast. You can see where Connor gets it wrong. It's, uh, yeah. it's in the jeans, man, seriously. Like, but yeah, Nigel's, Nigel's brilliant. He's, yeah, such a character. So. See, that's the story yeah. I was looking for, <laughs> not your devious yeah, question. Just, I've worked, the only boxers I've worked at with the military right. back in the UK, Okay, those boys get up to mischief. I bet. Trust me. I bet. Some <laughs> we of my are guys talking about actually. different people here. Yeah. Well, <laughs> boxers are boxers in my view. <laughs> guys, I don't mess with I don't argue um, with. I've got a question. So have you ever met a boxer that you've just been like really, really like blown your mind, impressed with? Um, amateur, I mean. In terms of physical capabilities? Yeah, in, in terms of like, you can really see this person just doing an amazing, amazing, or having an amazing career in the industry. Yeah, um, I think in terms of, for, from my point of view, from a strength conditioning point of view, in terms of like, you know, we can see people, you probably get in yoga, like some people move like shit, some people move very, very well, and you're mm-hmm. like, wow, okay, you can own these positions. Um, I'll use Connor as an example, I don't want to keep bringing him up, but mm-hmm. you know, he, he moves very well. Um, he didn't have huge amateur pedigree, um, which in a way from kind of a movement uh, point of view may have, may have helped him, you know, so he isn't kind of stuck in these positions like some of the other boys. Um, and he just picks things up very, very well. And something that we're big on is, you know, you've got to lift with intent. We don't move, just move the weight from A to B. Um, it's not just about how much weight you can shift. It's essentially how quickly you can shift it. Um, so, yeah, he's... Uh, he gets himself in the room. He gets himself focused and pumped up. One thing I do as well is, is try and create as much of an environment for these individuals to thrive in. So they're the DJs. We come in. I work with them one-on-one. They put their tunes on wherever they're into. Uh, thankfully, their, their music taste is actually pretty good. Mm. Um, create that environment. I love the boxing gyms that have all of that, like, oh, what is it? 
I, I don't even know what the genre is, but it's almost like 50 Cent and like yeah, it's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's blaring like Eminem. <laughs> um, so one of my other guys, John Doherty, he's, uh, he's just had his second fight. He f- boxed out in Florence as well. Two fights, two KOs. Like he's, he's a beast. He's one to look out for. And uh, he was messaging me saying, oh, Dan, look, what, what shall I have for my ring walk? Yeah, so that's a big thing. You know, it's a big mm. thing in, in, yeah, in boxing. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah, yeah. Um, you're just about to go to war. You've got to have a good shoe. And the costumes that they wear. Yeah, for like, sure. It's, for uh, sure. Yeah, it's um, interesting. Like, Wilder had that, that mask. Yeah. That was interesting. But again, like we're saying, with it being such an introvert sport, you've got to try and put yourself, give yourself that competitive edge in anything that you do. Whether that's body language, whether that's weight cutting strategies, mm. whether that's, you know, how, how you carry so yourself. So Conor McGregor does it with his chat. Yeah, yeah, he does his, you know, his wide boy walk. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like you say, Wilder does that. I think Derek Chisora puts like a, a bandana around his, his face, you know. Um, and it's 1v1. So if, if you can get in their heads, it's the old Mike mm-hmm. Tyson thing, if you can get in their heads before uh, that first bell wins, you've already won the fight. So you were saying about the song, the music? Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, so because um, you, you said they're about 50 cents. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm a little bit older than, than John. I'm about 10 years older than him. I like to try and stay in with the kids as much as, as, much as I can. Um, <laughs> you're talking like you're a grandpa. Yeah, no, no, exactly, exactly. But they educate me a lot on the music. So I was like sending me all the 50 Cent from that album, uh, 21 Questions, I don't mm-hmm. know. But that for me was a, was a huge album. Uh, I sent him that. I sent him a load of Tupac. I think he went with, um, I think Kel Brook uses the All of the Lights, the Kanye West. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the, the, song's, the song's important. The costume's important. Um, Another guy, John Ryder, who uh, had that fight I was mentioning against the Russian, he actually came out with the Nepalese Gurkhas. It was very random, mm. um, and that was very cool. So literally, we had these six dudes in military uniform. Yeah, all yeah. in their uniform, all in their is hats. He military? You know, uh, no, I don't know what the link is, yeah. um, but it's you know he puts the badge on his shorts, and um, they really got by it. And I tell you what, man, they're just lovely people. They came in the change room after getting photos. Some of these guys haven't got legs and stuff. You yeah, know, they're uh, and they were just they really enjoyed that moment, and uh, and that was a real cool moment walking out with them. You know. So I know this sounds like such a, a blonde, well, not that I'm blonde, but <laughs> stupid kind of question, but, um, and this is MMA, but Khabib, is that his name? Why, what's with the that, hair the thing? The fluffy hat? Yeah. Um, I don't know, but I guess it's no, just a traditional. When his fight was on, every I saw everybody wearing this, it looked like a little clown. It's and it was traditional dress wear from I where I think it's, it's from, just his it? local Dagestan. Dagestan, that's uh, it. Yeah. The, the curly white, white no, I like white curly Afro hair. So when I watched that fight, what do you I mean saw. The hair? It was a hair. So it was like a wig. He didn't come out with it, but everybody in well, some people in the stadium. There were some people, really? yeah, I just with this the hat. this I don't wig. Hair. Mm. It was like a wig, and it was like curly and long, like no an idea. Afro. Um, yeah, interesting. Obviously, totally different MMA, but that was an interesting fight. Oh yeah, that was yep. that's it's just that martial art, isn't it? That's got the same idea. I mean, it's a different discipline, but it's still mm. you're one person going at war with another Absolutely. person. And yeah, but you do you know what I kind of didn't like about that? It's like, all right, like you've been on the floor for five minutes. Get up, please. Come on, <laughs> do something exciting. And that's what's what's interesting about boxing is that it's always moving and you're never going to get into a position where you're going to be laying on the floor in a headlock with somebody for ten minutes mm. while the whole world watches and is like. Yeah, Let, let's I understand do a what more. you're saying from the sense that, from an outsider, because I because it's different when you watch MMA on the television and you've got the commentary and they're explaining things. To if you go to a like a like an MMA fight and it's just silence, it's just people shouting in the ring and it's just the guys going to war. 
in that world you have no idea what's going on mm. but know what you're saying like when you're watching and the guys are wrestling like as a as a uh, non-brazilian jiu-jitsu enthusiast or know anything about it i yeah. don't know what's happening like you get yeah. the leg position you get it's dangerous and like i yeah. i can understand that stuff but still like get off really the floor what you're just please looking for is him to get his arms out and just start pounding him. <laughs> yeah. but it's boxing yeah. that goes and so boxing. this is yeah. this is what's a little bit more exciting about boxing that there's always like it, you're always on your toes cuz mm. in a second someone's out that's the point split mm. second it can be over um and that's why you know we have to train these guys right because you know a fight can be over just like that um I'm not educated enough on MMA to give too much. Yeah, sorry, there. I like. Um, no, <laughs> no, it's all good. It's combat sports at the end of the day, and some of the physical preparation strategies are absolutely the same. Yeah. Um, but I, look, I get it. At the end of the day, these two, these are two men. All they care about is winning the fight. Whether that means having him in a headlock for five minutes, or whether that means mm. you know him jabbing his head off, they don't care. They just want to win the fight. I get. I, th I believe in the UFC. Actually, you um, you get paid extra for knocking people out. Really? I, I think you do. I might have that mm. wrong probably shouldn't have commented on the sports I know nothing about but I believe that's correct because you talk about stuff we know nothing about I know <laughs> I'm talking about boxing I know right, nothing so. about boxing um, just to make it a more kind of fan friendly uh, affair you know mm. but uh, but no I'm with you Yeah, people want to see yeah yeah see uh, we were discussing last with somebody else again discussing boxing and that's one of the things that I admire so much about it it's just you have to be so physically fit you have to be so strong mm. you have to be so quick uh, it really it's a complete discipline and then at the time you have to have some guts like I've seen th those guys they're scary they look scary <laughs> you can see it in their face in their body in their demeanor um, so to be able to stand out there against somebody who can do who can literally Literally, if they wanted to, they could kill you, um, and fight them. Oh, that! Yeah, you take I your hats off so to them. much respect on that for subject. Like in the ring, absolutely. You know, because it is one one person against another. These are the nicest people you'll ever meet outside of oh, the ring. Oh, absolutely, Honestly, absolutely. Like, I'm talking as a sport, though. Yeah. Um, to be able to face someone with that kind mm. of physical discipline and mental discipline, it's it's intense. For sure. Um, yeah. For sure. So McGregor Mayweather rematch? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't. Uh, I'll be in bed if it is on. <laughs> so let me know the result, man. I'm I'm not overly fussed with that one. Did you watch the previous one? Um, I couldn't even tell you. I did actually, funny enough, stay up for the Habib and uh, McGregor one. Yeah. I was with some guys who uh, are very pro pro Habib and. Uh, I don't know how the hell I stayed up for that, but um, I thought it would come on about half three. I think it didn't come on until five a.m. in we the UK. On early morning yeah. here the next day. Yeah, you guys get you get a good mm. one, don't you? I yeah, think. but to to watch the fights, well, you got to be up at five a.m. We or get a good six. one, but right. we get a good one because it's yeah. Let's say seven to eight a.m. on a okay. Sunday, but we got to work on a Sunday morning. Mm. There so you go. For the McGregor fight, we uh, people went to the pubs and stuff. I went to uh, a place that was showing it, and everybody was in their work suit. It was before work. Oh the whole right. office had come in, watched it, and then boom, straight to work. All oh right, okay. Sunday morning, Course, yeah. nine a.m. So it is what it is. We it's it's a tough life out here in Dubai. <laughs> eh? I know. You know. Just can't complain about too <laughs> enough things out here. All the sunlight. Yeah. <laughs> Too much, too much heat. Yeah. Anyway, so we stole so much more of your time now uh, with good, my yeah. silly questions. Enjoyed it. 
Cool. So perform three six five on Instagram. That's the one. And www.perform365.live. Yeah. Uh, life. Yeah. Life. And if people wanted to sign up for your online coaching, they could go there as well, right? Absolutely. Yeah. All the information is on the website. But if they have any additional questions, feel free to uh, to drop me a line. I'm mm. kind of capped. I've realised now because I don't give people generic programming. Mm. I am capped at how many I can take on board. But yeah, any yeah, anyone's got way to questions. do it anyway, yeah, for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, all the best for 2019 with the tennis player and the rest of your fire. Success. Successful. Drop us a line and we'll catch you. Sure.